large uh, font Bible, it's page 955, which I think is just about bang on the middle of the uh, Bible. Um, in the small font Bibles, I'm sorry, if someone could call out what page number that is. Sorry? 424. Thanks, Jen. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling that I may walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I trusted in the Lord when I said, I am greatly afflicted. In my alarm I said, everyone is a liar. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfil my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his faithful servants. Truly, I am your servant, Lord. I serve you just as my mother did. You have freed me from my chains. I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. I will fulfil my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. All parts of the Bible are valuable, but some corners of it gleam like gold. The second reading is uh, from Philippians, um, verses 4 to 7, and uh, of chapter 4. Uh, on page 1827 in the large print and 818 in the small print. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be serious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all our understanding, will guard you Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, 
Good morning, everybody. When Bruce set the task of wearing the Australian colours, he gave me a dilemma because originally the Australian colours were red, white and blue. You can guess why. But then, if you played rugby league for Australia and you played in Sydney, you wore blue. But then, if you played for Australia up in Queensland, you wore maroon. <laughs> In 1896, the Aboriginal Australian cricket team wore green and gold for the first time. And that's how we ended up with that colour. But it wasn't until Bob Hawke's Prime Ministership that green and gold became our official Australian colours. So there you go. Let me pray. Father, as we turn to your word and look at Psalm 116, we'll probably go on a journey throughout our own life. And we do pray that you will bring us comfort from this psalm, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. On the corner of Bly and Hunter Street in the city stands an obelisk. It has been there since 1925. On the site where the first church in Australia was built. It didn't last long, the church. It was burnt down by the convicts. The convicts regularly burnt down symbols of authority. They would burn down the courthouses or the police stations or whatever. It's ironic that this obelisk is on the corner of Bly and Hunter Streets. <laughs> Bly, as many of you know, was a terrible man. There were two mutinies under his command. One, you might give him the benefit of the doubt. Two, you have to wonder about him. On the other hand, John Hunter was a strong Christian man who did a great deal for the gospel. The Hunter Valley, John Hunter Hospital at Newcastle and the Hunter River are all named after him. The obelisk tells the people, if you go and read it, that the first clergyman to visit, to come to Australia Richard Johnson, of which there is a picture of him up there, thanks to Bruce, preached on the text on the second Sunday that the first fleet was in Australia on these words. Verse 12 of Psalm 116, which says, what shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? We don't know what Richard Johnson said. The sermon is lost. 
We don't know whether he preached on the whole psalm or just one part of it. But it's relevant to what happened with the first fleet and it's relevant today as we journey through our lives here in Australia and as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some years ago, an elephant was brought into a Hindu temple in London to be worshipped. And to show how much you venerated this elephant, you had to feed it milk. It drank so much milk that the local cell supermarket ran out of supplies. My guess is, although I do not know much about elephants, that the elephant neither spoke or listened attentively to those who gave it milk. How different was this? was the psalmist's experience and our experience to those who gave milk to the elephant. And that's what I want to centre our thoughts around this morning, our experience of our relationship with our God. Verse 1 and 2 says this to us, I love the Lord. Why does he love the Lord? For he heard my voice, he heard my cry for mercy, because he turned his ear to me. Seafaring in the 18th century was a hazardous and dangerous enterprise. The vessels of the first fleet were very small, approximately 30 metres long and 9 metres wide. Those on board during the storms at sea may have called upon their God in anguish and they may have felt like the psalmist did in verse 3. The cords of death entangled around me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Just as they went through deep waters, we too may have experienced loss. It may have been a spouse, a child, a job, money, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. There may have been times when the cords of death entangled us and the anguish of the grave came over me. Indeed, the anguish of the grave overcame the first fleeters 69 times as 69 people perished on that eight-month voyage. I think I was in third class, year three, when I was told that Captain Cook discovered Australia. Fortunately, we've learnt that the indigenous people had been here some 60,000 years before people like William Dampier 
Captain La Perouse, Tasman or Lieutenant Cook, to name just a few, came to the Southern Hemisphere. And as they came on their journey, so too do we go on our journey with our Lord Jesus. Verse 1 reminds us that God is merciful, for he heard my voice. In other words, and in verse 2 it says, he turned his ear to me. We go through our difficulties, as I have mentioned in verse 3, and unlike the elephant, God hears us and answers us. Verse 2 tells us that he inclines his ear to us. It's as if he cocks his ear. Not that he's deaf and needs hearing aids, but that he wants to listen to us. He is more willing to listen to our prayers than we are often to pray. He wants to hear us because he is a merciful God. And we also hear in verse 4 and 5, Then I called on the Lord, Lord save me. And verse 5, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. God will do the right thing. He is right. He never does the wrong thing by us. Oh, we sometimes do not understand it. We think, why has this happened? And we may never know this side of heaven, why some of the things have happened to us in our lives. Yes, we might sort of look back and say, oh, now I know why I failed that exam, or now I know why I didn't marry that girl and married this girl, or why this person got sick. We might look back and be able to do some of that. But then we get ten years further on and we think, oh, maybe it was for that reason. We never really know in this life. And our comfort is that our is in the character of our God. He is compassionate. We do not have to wonder whether he has done the right thing. It is an act of faith for us to hang on to it and know that he does. And we are told he is compassionate and he is not compassionate some of the time. He is full of compassion. He's, it's not like a half full glass of God or a half empty glass of God. He is full of compassion. And so... As we go on, we listen to God's word. Why do we come to church? Not so we get dressed up in silly clothes, but so that we share fellowship, but also so that we hear what God has to say to us. The elephant can't speak. It can roar and make a noise, but God speaks to us.
He wants us to know what he, he wants us to know what he is like and to listen to him. And so we can be very thankful. We don't have to think, what is my God like, like the non-Christian world who makes up their ideas of God? Or the Hindus who have 900 different ways of thinking about God? No. The gospel came to Australia with the first fleet. We can be thankful to people like William Wilberforce, the politician, and John Newton, the preacher and songwriter, who pressured William Pitt, the Prime Minister, to send a chaplain with the First Fleet. And so, by the grace of God and the mercy and sovereignty of God, we have had all those years of Christian tradition and the opportunity to hear God's word. And as we go on in our lives, we can look back and think of God's character and keep remembering it. And we see through verses 5 to 8, this man goes through some real difficulties. He says this in verse 4, God, having gone through being in distress, I called on the Lord Save me. And we are told that he struggled. For it says in verse 8, He saved my feet from stumbling. There might be times when life is difficult and we might want to turn away from God. But we are told here that the Lord saved him and that the Lord delivered him from death and he actually stopped him from falling away altogether. And we find that in verse 9, he's come back and as he says, I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. There may be times when we struggle to believe, when we find it hard to read God's word or to pray, but we just must hang in there and in the end come through. All good relationships are built on speaking and listening and you can test your own relationship with God by, going, by knowing how often you speak to him and how often you listen to his word. And so we find that the psalmist is delivered. God, as it were, does him a favour. Now, when a person does us a favour, we often feel that we need to return that favour. And the person may even say to us, even if it is in jest, you owe me one. But that's not how it works with God. What we are to do, what are we to do when he answers our prayers? When he overcomes a difficult situation for us? And of course, some people in prayer try and bargain with God. They say, well, God, if you will do this, 
If you will heal my granddaughter or help my son to get good marks or take away the cancer, I will do this for you. But you see, it's not like that. And that leads us into terrible difficulties. I knew a man who was once in a very difficult situation. He told God that if God solved his problem, he would go into the ministry. Well, God solved his problem and he went into the ministry and he regretted it all his life and so did his congregations. (laughs) He was a miserably, terribly sad man. We don't have to bargain with God. God wants to give. He wants to hear our prayers. He wants us to hear about his character. So what do we do then when God responds to our difficulties? Verse 12 is the verse that is on the obelisk. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to us, to me? He answers it in verse 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. In other words, he says, I will accept the salvation God offers me. It's a remarkable thing, isn't it? We ask God for something and he gives it. And then we say, well, what can I do for God? And he says, believe in Jesus. That's what he says. He doesn't say you have to go off and be a missionary or you have to come to East Linfield and listen to David Tyndall's sermons. No. You don't have to do any nasty thing. You have to accept something else from my hand. You take the cup of salvation. In other words, and many of us, have done it. We have said to God, I've done wrong. I've offended you. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. Please forgive me and help me to live my life in accordance with the revealed word of God. Shortly, we'll take of the bread and the grape juice And we'll stand and we'll think. And we think about what God has done for us in the Lord Jesus. And that is what God wants of us. He wants that relationship with us. This psalm is an intensely personal psalm. If you read through it and emphasise the personal pronouns. Most of us are old enough here to know what personal pronouns are. 
We see, I love the Lord. He heard my voice. He heard my cry. And on it goes. It speaks to us of a person who knew his God intimately and God knew him intimately. And we can know God and do know God in that way. As we share this morning in the Lord's Supper on this Australia Day, we can be very thankful to God for the wonderful country that we live in. I once met a man who came to Australia in 1947. He was about 20. He spoke with a very strong European accent. I asked him where he came from. He said, Hungary. I said to him, why did you come to Australia and what did you know about Australia when you came? This is 1947. He said, I knew absolutely nothing about Australia. I said, why did you come? And he said, I got out a map of the world and I looked at it. And I saw that Australia was the furthest country away from anywhere else. And I thought, there must be peace there. I will go to Australia. And so he came. And lived here for 60 odd years before he died. We are very fortunate in that we materially we are well off. But spiritually we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. As the psalmist said, I love the Lord for he has heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. He turned his ear to me and I will call on him as long as I live. May it be that way this year and for the rest of your lives. I'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for Richard Johnson coming and faithfully proclaiming the message of the scriptures. We thank you for our own personal faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And we do pray that when we go through difficulties, we will remember your character. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you will keep us close to yourself and that each one of us might grow in our love and commitment to you. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We're now going to uh, share in the Lord's Supper. And so I'll lead us with the material that is up on the, uh, the screen.